Welcome to The Whole Steward, the holistic approach to wealth from a Christian worldview. I'm your host, Andrew Stanton, and I'm glad you've joined. Today, we look at the necessity of private property. Have you ever considered private ownership of property to be so important that it's actually necessary? We'll learn today how this truth is grounded squarely in the Ten Commandments, what role it plays at the core of our society, and how this foundation is currently under attack today on The Whole Steward. Well, this is episode number 25, and I'm so glad you've joined. We have a lot of content to go over today. If you want to get in contact with me, I always remind you of this. It's letters at thewholesteward.com. Please send me a note, questions, comments, concerns, feedback, all that good stuff. Uh, I'm very excited. The Whole Steward is growing, and I'm very thankful for your listenership. Today, I want to talk about the ownership of private property and how it's actually necessary. To do that, I want to recommend a book that I'm currently in a study with some of the men from my church that has been absolutely excellent. And that book is by Wayne Grudem called Christian Ethics, An Introduction to Biblical Moral Reasoning. And if you know Wayne Grudem, he's um, known for his systematic theology. If you're interested in theology, it's a great systematic theology book, and I've referenced it many times. However, this book is quite different. It is on Christian ethics. And what he does is uses the Ten Commandments as the structure for discussing Christian ethics. The one that I want to talk about today is what he has in the book as part six, protecting property. And it's very fascinating because he dedicates eight chapters to this topic. I've really enjoyed reading it because... It is very much in line with what we've been talking about here on The Whole Steward. A lot of the things that I've gone into pretty much in depth are discussed in this book. However, there's one thing that I really kind of hadn't thought about that much before, and that is the necessity of private property. Now, I want to start with the fact that, and we've talked about this on The Whole Steward before, that everything belongs to the Lord. That's why we say we are just stewards of what we have for a short time on this earth. And as you know, there are nine forms of capital. Remember, there's spiritual, living, intellectual, experiential, relational, cultural, material, financial, and time. Psalm 24 1 and 2 says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. This is what scripture says. Now I know uh, there are many today who would say, uh, Nope, God's not the one who founded it. God didn't create it. Somehow, everything you see, everything you have, made itself. Now, I have a hard time wrapping my 
mind even around the precedent for that theory. But anyways, the scripture clearly states how God created everything and everything ultimately belongs to him. We are simply just stewards of it for a short time on this earth. 70, maybe 80, 90 years. For some, it's a little bit longer. But again, that is a very short time relative to all of history. So, let's jump right in to the precedent for ownership of private property. It's found in the commandment, you shall not steal. There's so much wrapped up in that commandment that I hadn't really thought about all the implications before. Okay, yeah, um, it's pretty obvious on the surface what that means. Okay, you shall not steal. But what does it really mean? Well, the word simply means there taking something that does not belong to you. Well, what is the assumption there? The assumption is that whatever you might have taken belongs to somebody else. It assumes that somebody owns that item. Now, this commandment is clearly repeated in the New Testament. You shall not steal, Romans 13.9 says. You can look at Ephesians 4.28, Romans 2.21, 1 Corinthians 5.11, Titus 2.10, Hebrews 10.34, James 5.4, Revelation 9.21. There's many scriptures that talk about this concept of and the necessity of not stealing. I like what Wayne Grudem here says, quote, This command, you shall not steal, assumes there is something to steal, something that belongs to someone else and not to you. You should not steal someone else's ox or donkey or his car, his cell phone or his computer because it belongs to him and not to you. Therefore, the Eighth Commandment assumes private ownership of property. Have you ever thought of the Eighth Commandment in that way? Very fascinating. At the surface, we kind of understand, okay, you shall not steal, but it assumes the ownership of private property. Now, Wayne Grudem says, quote, Property was to be owned by individuals, not by the government or society as a whole, end quote. That's a very profound statement. The other thing that Scripture establishes and is very concerned about is proper restitution for the violation of this commandment. For example, uh, you need to make restitution according to the Mosaic Law for damage to another's farm animals or agricultural fields, his land. You shall not move your neighbor's landmark is another one in Deuteronomy 19.14. So there's a lot of references to the fact that people will own particular pieces of property, whether it's land or other material goods, and you and I are not to steal them. Someone who it does not belong to is not to steal from the one who it does belong to it. See, one of the things that is important to recognize is that as a steward, 
if you have ownership of private property, it is important that you manage it or it implies that you have responsibility for managing it. Managing it well. Managing it in wisdom. Now, if you go to the New Testament, private property was not abolished. It was still upheld. Wayne Grudem writes, quote, The New Testament contains many encouragements to generosity, but there is no hint of disapproval of a system in which property is owned not by the government or by society in general, but by individual people who are responsible for wisely deciding how to use it. End quote. A few passages that come to mind and he mentions here, and I've mentioned some of them on The Whole Steward before, Romans 12.8, let the one who contributes do so in generosity. Uh, 1 Corinthians 16.2 says, on the first day of the week, each one of you is to put something aside and store it up that as he may prosper. There's more, 2 Corinthians 9.7, Ephesians 4.28, 1 Timothy 6.17-18, Hebrews 10.34, Hebrews 13.5, 1 John 3.17. There are many references to the fact that we are to manage the property that we have, whether it's the material or financial goods that we have. It goes beyond that, and we'll touch on that in just a little bit. You already know that listening to The Whole Steward. There are actually nine forms of capital that we are stewards over. But the Ownership of private property is a very important one, and that's specifically referring to material possessions. Let me just address very briefly that there is the claim that some Christians will make that the believers in the New Testament practiced a early form of communism. And I've even heard it said that, oh, well, Jesus was the first communist or socialist. Well, there are indeed passages that talk about how the early church had everything in common and no one had a need because everybody was just meeting the needs of everyone else. However, if you look at those passages very closely, they don't actually imply that people gave up ownership of private property. What they do imply is that those people were generous with the goods that they had for those who were in need. But there's no scenario where everyone gave up all ownership of private property. And in fact, as I mentioned with all of those scriptures I just listed, there are many examples that we are to be good stewards of what we own. Even in the passage where... Barnabas, for example, sold his house and laid it at the apostles' feet to uh, further the work of the ministry. Just after that, Ananias and Sapphira come in, and they lie about what they sold a piece of property for and basically lied about what they were giving to the apostles and to the church. And Peter made the statement while it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? 
You have not lied to men, but to God. See, that's what Peter says in Acts 5.4, when they were lying about what they had sold. And Peter was saying, it was yours to do uh, as you saw fit. And so, therefore, we see this responsibility of stewardship put on the individual. Therefore, the implications of the Eighth Commandment, you shall not steal, are upheld and go very deep in what we see as stewards and what God wants us to do as being the managers of the material possessions. Now, let's touch on communism for a second. Grudem writes, Karl Marx said, The theory of the communists may be summed up in the single sentence, abolition of private property, end quote. So here is a direct assault on the order that God set out in the command, you shall not steal. Communism is saying that they want to abolish private property. This is a very dangerous place to be. It's a very dangerous ideology to hold to. And there's many problems that come with it. And you can see that if you look at uh, the communist countries, North Korea versus South Korea is a great example. And there's many others. There's a lot of problems that come with the idea of abolishing the Eighth Commandment, basically. Another great quote from this chapter, Grudem writes, such an, ab- such an abolition of private property as occurs under communism is horribly dehumanizing because it greatly minimizes people's freedom to make wise choices regarding the stewardship of their resources and prevents human economic and cultural flourishing as God intended it to occur. End quote. Very powerful statement. And this is his assessment Uh, If you do happen to uh, be interested enough to get this book and you read this chapter, you'll see that he breaks down a lot of the specifics surrounding uh, the economics in these various countries. And he, he looks at them in some depth. Wayne Grudem writes, quote, The Eighth Commandment is unique. It protects property and possessions. By implication, we are right to think it also protects another person's time, talents, and opportunities. Everything over which people have been given stewardship. We are not to steal someone else's property, time, talents, or opportunities. End quote. So, sounds a lot like the whole steward, doesn't it? Uh, he listed a few things here, and you can fit those into the nine categories. Uh, spiritual, living, intellectual, experiential, relational, cultural, material, financial, and time. Those are all things that we have under our stewardship. And the implication here is that you should not steal anything of those that belong to someone else. Grudem writes, quote, This is certainly the Bible's perspective. Our ownership of property is not absolute but we are stewards 
who will have to give an account of our stewardship. And this is because, ultimately, everything belongs to God. And we've seen that in Psalm 24, verse 1. Another point to bear in mind is that not everyone will have the same amount. 1 Samuel 2, 7. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and he exalts. Proverbs 22, 2. The rich and the poor meet together. The Lord is maker of them all. So Grudem writes that, quote, This verse does not simply mean that God created all human beings, for the specific contrast between the rich and the poor implies that God, in his sovereignty, has ordained or become the, quote, maker of their individual circumstances and conditions, end quote. God has ordained some to be stewards of more than others. And we've seen this in Scripture. I've talked about it on The Whole Steward, that even in the New Testament, this was Jesus' teaching. He told the parable of the talents. You remember, five talents to another two to another one, each, what? According to his ability. Now, God gives certain amounts of property to individuals according to their ability. And you might say, and I've heard it said, well, Andrew, the parable of the talents is not about money. Okay, well, what is it about? Well, it's about spiritual resources. Okay, here's the thing. Spiritual stewardship always manifests itself physically in what we do. Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the heart, you choose what to do with your property. Out of the heart. So, yes, it is a matter of the heart. It is a matter of spiritually, what are you doing? I can't believe for a minute that Jesus thought, well, you can do whatever you want with your money. I'm only talking about spiritual things here. No, we've looked at it. You go back and listen to the episode about Zacchaeus. That is that event of how Zacchaeus managed his money before his conversion and then after his conversion was an example that Jesus put on display and then went right into telling the parable of the ten minas. So your management, my management, of our material possessions, our financial possessions, as well as all the others, do have direct spiritual implications. And that's why the Bible has so much to say about these things. And that's why he has one of the Ten Commandments address this. You shall not steal. There are a lot of benefits from private property, the ownership of private property. Grudem goes into some of those, he says it's a continual opportunity for glorifying God. We've seen that in 1 Timothy chapter 6, that we thank the Lord for the good things that he's given us to enjoy and that we are also generous with those things. If you have a house, a car, climate control, all these different things we've talked about before, you are among the most wealthy in the world. And so these scriptures are talking directly to you. They're certainly talking to me. Uh, number two, he says, 
it's a continual opportunity for giving thanks to God. Number three, he says it's a continual source of joy. And, you know, we've seen, Scripture says, he provides all these things for us to enjoy. Number four, it's a continual test of our hearts. Psalm 73, 25 to 26. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. You know, another way that it tests our hearts is, do we obey God's commands in how we are to be stewarding the material possessions that we've been given? For example, in 1 John 3.17, But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? So, we need to be careful that we are being generous and meeting the needs of others when those needs arise. Grudem writes, quote, If God entrusts us with property as stewards, then he expects us to do something worthwhile with it, something that he finds valuable, end quote. So here's that concept now coming up of value. God created and intends for us to have private ownership of property because he wants us to do things that are valuable with it, to create value for others. And if you have a successful business, you are doing precisely that. You are creating either goods or services that are valuable to others. He writes here about Genesis chapter 1, the creation mandate, as we call it. So God says in Genesis chapter 1, 26 to 28, that he created man in his image. And he put the animals and the livestock over all the earth. And then he tells mankind to have dominion over the earth. He says, quote, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion. So this is the creation mandate that mankind have dominion over the earth. And the word translated there, subdue, it means to make the earth useful for human beings' benefit and enjoyment. So as you subdue the earth, you're taking the raw materials that God created, you're making them into valuable things that mankind can use. So if you've ever used a hammer, well, that's a tool that's extremely valuable. We still use them today. For thousands of years, they've been in use. Look around the room you're in or the car you're driving or whatever tool it is that you're using to listen to this podcast. These things are all raw materials that have been subdued by mankind to make something valuable. And this brings glory to God. Even though many people who are doing this, living out the creation mandate, are not giving God honor and glory with their heart or their mind, they are still, unbeknownst to them, living out the creation mandate. 
And ultimately, to a certain degree, that brings God glory. Grudem gives a couple of examples in this, in this section. It gives the example of a woman who buys a $3 piece of cloth and makes it into a garment that is worth $13. She just created $10 worth of value uh, that didn't exist before. It was just a piece, piece of raw cloth. Also, under this section titled, Stewardship Provides the Basis for Human Achievement and Flourishing on the Earth, he writes that this goes beyond material productivity, uh, as we've talked about. He also writes that the human desire to understand and create products from the earth uh, is something that was placed into our hearts by God, and we should not dismiss the innate human drive for material productivity as greedy materialism or sin. This is a very touchy subject because you have on the one side the prosperity gospel that says God wants you to be healthy and wealthy, and if you're not, you don't have faith. And then on the other side, you have complete rejection of God's stewardship concepts and honoring God with your wealth and also material possessions as being blessings from God. Number four, ownership of property motivates human achievement. Quote, we glorify God by understanding and ruling over the creation and then by producing more and more wonderful goods from it for our enjoyment with thanksgiving to the God who richly provides us everything to enjoy, end quote. Now, wisdom is required for stewardship. We've talked about that many times, and we need to rightly use and enjoy the property uh, in wisdom. We need to avoid the dangers of materialism, to not be a lover of money. In fact, we've talked about this. Uh, you've heard it said, money is the root of all evil. Nope, that's not what it says. It's actually the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Do not love money. It's temporary. It's passing. Do not love the things of this earth because to love this world is to love what is temporary more than what is eternal, and that is God himself and the spiritual blessings that will last for eternity. If you are interested enough to read this chapter, and like I said, there's eight chapters on this topic. They're very good. I'm through three of them already. This will be very beneficial to you. I hope I've sparked an interest for you to perhaps obtain this book. This book is five pages longer than his Systematic Theology book. Uh, it's 1,296 pages long. Don't let that discourage you. It is a great reference book to have on your shelf if you are interested in Christian ethics. And also the Systematic Theology book is a great one to have on your shelf as well. I'll just wrap this portion up with uh, a chart that he put in there, which is very helpful. I found it uh, very fascinating. He has, on the one side, a modern lack of faith, 
And then on the other side, he has what's called hyperfaith. As the argument goes, if you have enough faith, God will do X, Y, and Z for you. And you can even demand of God that he do these things. That's what Grudem categorizes as hyperfaith. And then on the other side, you have a lack of faith. And he gives a good balance. The biblical perspective is right down the middle between those two. It's not the one or the other. There are countless scriptures to show a much more balanced perspective on this topic of stewardship. And I believe that is the biblical approach. What the Bible teaches is a balanced approach. Be careful of materialism and asceticism, false asceticism on one side, and be careful of the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel that says you will be wealthy and healthy if you have enough faith. That is not always true, but neither is the other side. Well, I hope you found this helpful today. Uh, Since it ran a little long, I think I'll save property rights in our society and how they're under attack until the next episode. So until then, now that you know more, go out and grow more. All content on The Whole Steward is for informational purposes only and must not be considered personal, professional, tax, or legal advice. Please consult an appropriate professional for individualized advice. Though we do our best to bring you reliable information, we make no guarantee on its accuracy. So you must rely on your own due diligence to draw your own conclusions. The views expressed by guests on the show are their own and may not represent that of the host. Please visit our website for complete terms and conditions. Thanks for joining us today for the holistic approach to wealth from a Christian worldview. This show is brought to you by thewholesteward.com.